Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Launching a book isn't easy, but it can also launch you into a whole new life. What's important now is that I am a best-selling author and that's awesome. I found my soul on this journey. I found my purpose, you know, in life. In this show, I talk to authors about how they launched and how it took them to the next level. Hi there, you're listening to Launchpad Podcast, where I, your host, Anna David, interview New York Times bestselling authors, the world's most successful entrepreneurs, everyone who falls in between about how to launch a bestselling book and what books have done for their careers. So today I have a friend. Well, we get into how I know her in the episode. So I will leave that as a I will not spoil this surprise. But it's an interesting it's an interesting way I, I know her. No, we didn't meet in some like shady place. The opposite, as a matter of fact. So let me tell you about her. Her name is Rebecca Baruki, but she goes by Bex. And she is the founder of Bex Life and the Blist in Wellness Movement. She's a meditation guide. She's a doula. She's a mentor. She writes books. That's what's relevant for this conversation. Books for adults as well as for children. And about children, she's got five of them. And she has vacillated between traditional publishing and self-publishing. So we get into that and we talk a lot about how her books have changed her career, how she went from um, a mother of three at that time on food stamps to this person with this thriving career and following and what her book had to do with that. So if you'd like the show notes, and that includes a transcript of our conversation, just go to launchpad.com pub.com slash blog slash Bex, B-E-X. And it will have links to where you can reach her. She offers coaching for writers and a lot of things that I think you guys could benefit from. By the way, if you like this episode slash this podcast, please throw a five-star review up there. It makes such a difference and it means more people will discover this podcast. And with that, I give you Bex. Sabax, it's so good to see you. Isn't it? I'm adorable. Yeah, you are. <laughs> you really, really are. Um, um, don't let anyone hear that. <laughs> well, they, they all they all did, and they're all judging you for it. But you guys, she's kind of telling the truth. So she's just oh. owning it, right? Which we should all be doing. Right. Um, and so Bex and I know each other from like, I would say I've not had another guest on this podcast that I know each that that I know from this. So how do we know each other? Let's talk about that. We were busmates in Israel, I which mean, was the best trip ever. Best. Who can say that about anybody? Busmates, and and so the, the way it worked it was was it two years ago, three years ago? I don't I have know. No idea. 
It was, it was not last year. We, it was 17 years ago. Yeah. Because <laughs> that feels like. I know. It really does. So we were on this trip to Israel for people who worked in wellness. And um, mm-hmm. I, I was just totally drawn to you from the beginning. At first, yeah. when I was like, oh, this, this chick's got five kids. What am I going to have to say to her? And then, yeah. and then I was wrong. I had so much to yeah. say to you that, that I had to sit next to you every day. I'll tell you, I don't hang out with women who have five kids because yeah, they're mostly just miserable. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want to know those women. I mean, some of them are okay. No, I don't hang out with anybody that has five kids. But Mm-mm. since then, I've met other women with five children, which is weird. Um, yeah. And they're pretty cool too. So, really? Yeah. I, maybe I've met the well, only ones. Yeah. It's possible. <laughs> I need friends. Um. So I see how you may not have time for friends when I look at what you have been up to since Mm -hmm. we last spoke. So Mm -hmm. you are not merely an author. In fact, you didn't start off as an author at all. So tell tell listeners about the trajectory of your career. Uh, Well, career-wise, I started off as a personal trainer and I was doing fitness to help with my mental illness because I didn't want to go on medication. That was a personal thing of mine. Um, I needed community because of that. I went on YouTube back in the dark, dark ages. I think I was one of maybe 10 people on all of YouTube in the world doing fitness. It was super, it was like me, Cassie Ho from Blagalati's Hairstyles, the Tone It Up Girls, Sarah Dusso. So we're doing fitness. Um, did that for a while, integrated my yoga practice, integrated my meditation practice, did a TV show, got a book deal, (laughs) got another book deal, started an indie publishing company. Um, yeah, had two more babies. The trajectory has been all over the place. Definitely not linear. I'm just having lots and lots and lots of fun. It's all about though, sharing my story. It's all about that. I mean, preaching to the choir here. Yeah. So, but what was interesting, I remember on the bus, you telling me the story about you had read Chris Carr's book mm-hmm. and you went to a Hay House seminar. I like, went to the, is- I can do it. I was talking about this today on my live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was camping out. I didn't go to an, I can do it. I went to an, I can do it to stalk authors coming out of the green room and, <laughs> and interviewed them for my YouTube channel. That's, that's what I did. (laughs) So for people who don't know what is an, I can do it. I can do it. It was, it was a gathering of, um, you know, they're like top authors that would go, they would have a tour. They talk about whatever their area of expertise was. It was kind of a showcase. It was super great. Um, Wayne Dyer was usually the headliner. So after he passed, it kind of, it kind of sputtered out. Um, so they don't have those anymore. They have more focused workshops and uh, events where it just features like one or two authors. I, I do um, the writing workshops where my proposal is given out to my proposal for my first book. You have four minutes to change your life is given out to the attendees. And then I speak there. Um, but it's but just yeah. for Hay House authors, right? That's just for Hay House authors. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's, so for anyone who doesn't know, Hay House is a, it's mostly self-help and spiritual mm-hmm. publishing yeah. company. Yeah. And you everything have, from like wellness to angel card readers and <laughs> so, all the crazy people. And so, but it was Chris Carr in particular who, who, mm-hmm. who opened your eyes to Hay House's existence and got you to yeah. do that. Yeah. 
Yeah, Chris Carr and Wayne Dyer, two different tracks and kind of converged. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. They're with the same publisher. And I didn't know anything about publishing. I certainly didn't have any understanding of the what Hay House was specifically, like a publisher that actually has a fan base where like the, the customers will follow one author and then start following all the rest. But I, I had no understanding of how that worked. It felt kind of like a cult, which is always appealing to me, which Absolutely. I generally say. That I watch a lot of cult documentaries. And I'm like, I can do this, but do it better. But it felt really, it felt like the community, which it actually is. Um, so, but Chris Carr, she was one that I loved. I found her on Oprah when I was in the midst of a really, really terrible, painful divorce. And she was talking about, you know, living with cancer. And I was like, I'm not even dying. So I can probably do something about this. So she was my inspiration to start. I went out and got a real estate license. I I left my husband. (laughs) I don't think I've ever told her that. I should probably, she's, I'll tell my ex-husband so he can be mad at her instead. Yeah. Instead of me. I literally thought you just said my next husband. I'm like, there's no, (gasps) no, this one's here to stay. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a keeper. So, so you met her that day that you showed up. I met her that day that I showed up. I did a four minute, um, my whole, my shtick, uh, was along with four minute meditations. I do these four minute interviews. So I did that with her. And then later, I think the next year I attended a writer's workshop where she was one of the, um, the keynote speakers. And I stood up to ask a question and she said to everybody in the room, which is super awesome. because there's like 500 people there. This girl right here, she sparkles. You need to follow her. When I stood up and I was like, what? And then, <laughs> and then it really, you know, that little bit of, I'll say it's like, it's luck, it's opportunity. It's me like showing up and asking for it and all that. But that was really something that gave me such instant credibility in terms of being seen that from then on, having that seal of approval from Chris Carr, people wanted to work with me. So wow. that was cool. That was really cool. Yeah. And I think that people should remember once we've gotten to a certain place, the power that can have when you just, Absolutely. you just, I mean, it was easy. It's so generous. It says so much about her that she would just mm-hmm. do that. Um, mm-hmm. And, and so just because, uh, you know, many of the listeners are aspiring authors. So, so what happens from there? So you're at a writing workshop. She says you sparkle um, you, and people mm-hmm. should follow you. What happened next? So what happened next is I continued to develop the book that I went there to write. It was called Accidental White Girl. It was about me being biracial, my mother white, my father black, um, being the product of an extramarital affair and um, writing from this place of deep hurt, deep self-exploration. And I, I just started you know, doing more workshops and, and networking and, and doing it in a really organic way and just trying to like follow the flow of this is the next right step, this is the next right person to talk to. And my mother passed away in November of that year. So my father died in April. I went to the workshop in May. Um, and then my mother died in November, lost both parents in the same year. Um, I'll say my, the dad who raised me, not my biological father. Mm. And when that happened, <sighs> there's so many things. Um, but when that happened, she had a stroke and I had to go down to North Carolina to be with her in the hospital. And it just so happened that I had a call with an agent, a literary agent while she was in the hospital. Wow. 
and I'm telling her about the book and just something felt really not, it just wasn't resonating like it happened before. I wasn't excited about it like I was before. I mean, a lot of things were going on. My mother was dying. Um, and then that moment that she passed, it was like this revelation. Not that I'm thinking about my career when my mother's like leaving earth, but um, the anger kind of just went away. Hmm. And it was revealed to me very shortly after that that just wasn't the story I wanted to tell anymore or just wasn't the right time to tell it. Um, kept working with an agent and we developed my meditation book instead. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like, it's hard when I'm talking to aspiring authors and I do that a lot in, in my own work because people say like, how did you get here? How did it happen? How did you get inspired? What was this next step? And look, I, surround, I got coaches. I surrounded myself with awesome people. I showed up everywhere. I put myself in really like scary <laughs> situations where I just felt like not enough. I don't belong here. Like I did that a lot. I developed really amazing friendships. I kept telling my story to everybody, right? And like telling people like, I want to write a book one day. I want to do this one day. And people will get excited with me. I built community and I just kept sharing. And it was like, it was almost as if I've been developing my book since I was a little kid or developing all my books because I would see what people resonated with, what people wanted to hear more about, what people were excited to hear about. And, and that's what's gone in. I have three books for adults and two books for kids now, one on the way. And um, it's all that. It's all of that. It's mm-hmm. all of that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if any of that made sense or was helpful. But <laughs> because I think that, that, you know, the New York Times says 81% of people want to write a book. And I think something like I should have more clients. What's going I on? know. <laughs> I know. It's 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 how my company stays so busy. It's mm-hmm. but it's getting the message that I think people think it's harder and easier than yeah. it is because yeah. they think uh, well, I, I, everyone says I'm a good writer. I can just write this, and and they don't really know what goes into it, yeah. and then. And then they think that the platform part is insurmountable. And right. you and I are both proof that that's just not true. No. Mm-mm. Would you say anybody could build a platform? Um, I don't think that anybody could do like anything. <laughs> like, it's, you know, it takes commitment. It takes consistency. It, can, it takes desire. But if you have those things, and of course, like, you're a cool person. Like you're, I mean, actually a lot of assholes have platforms too, but um, if you have those things, then yeah, anybody can build a platform. I think that it's tenacity. It's showing up. It's being consistent. That's, I mean, I've been doing this for 12 years. I do not have a gigantic platform. I make really good money and I have a lot of success and it's because I'm dependable. I'm consistent. I'm, I'm there for people. I'm there. I'm showing up. So yeah, anyone, if you have those things, if you're willing to do the work, anyone can have a platform. Just like if you're willing to do the work, you could write a book. Right, right. How 100%. much? How much writing experience did you have when you wrote your book, your first book? Um, no professional writing experience outside of my blogs. Mm-hmm. And really, I didn't love to write. I have a, a learning disability, so it wasn't until last year, and I got a prop on a proper medication plan, that I was even able to read books. So yeah, I had only listened to audiobooks my whole life. It was a very painful experience for me to read. I was a great student, but I was just like working. I was just working so hard. So I would write blogs. I didn't love it. Video was really my, um, the way that I love to communicate. Uh, a lot of my book 
are my videos. I tra- had them transcribed mm-hmm. and I would, and then I'd go back in and edit and look. I, look. I drew from all types of content to write my book. In fact, the first book is really a 21 day email newsletter mantra challenge. <laughs> I mean, it's much more than that, but that's, that was the basic outline for it. So yeah, I didn't have professional writing experience and I really wasn't someone because of my learning disability that felt that I was capable of writing a book. I felt stupid and not qualified. Well, and I think that's such a good lesson too, because people can have it. I'm, I'm stupid. I don't have the degree. I'm too young. I'm too old. It, you know, I'm too, I have ADD. Well, guess what? I have ADD too. Mm-hmm. So there are so many reasons. And I'm glad you mentioned, you know, one of our offerings is actually a current content book where we'll create a book out of mm-hmm. your emails, out of your podcasts, out of your videos, out of your courses. Because yep. um, people are content machines. All entrepreneurs are content machines now. They've got the material. It's just sitting there. And it could be a book that could change their career. I tell people that all the time. You have the book. You have the book. You might not have the skill to put it together in an outline. You might not know the stories that are going to hit the reader the most. You might not have, that's what a great editor was for. And I'll tell you the process of working with an editor and working with someone to develop the outline for my first book. I treated it like school. I was like, I'm here to get an education. And I became a writer through that process. So my second book, I wrote the book, of course, gave it to an editor at the end because, I mean, everybody needs an editor. (laughs) Everybody needs an editor. But I learned to be a writer. And now I have a ton of confidence when it comes to writing. A ton. Still hate to read. Still hate reading. But I love writing. Well, I only listen now. I Mm -hmm. I don't. But so listening to a book is the same goddamn thing as reading it, okay? What are you listening to right now? Can I ask you? Yeah, I actually, okay. Well, I listened to, well, I did... uh, you need to talk to someone, Lori Gottlieb, previous okay. podcast guest, amazing. Um, and then, oh my God, I went into not, I don't normally read novels, but I read the, um, my dark Vanessa. Okay. These are two books you would love personally. Okay. Um, I don't know about the listeners, but you would. And, um, and then I kind of went into like a little trashy gossipy one and I read my friend Anna about the heiress, the fake heiress and the best friend she screwed over. It was good. <laughs> Not, not particularly well-written, but real juicy. And you know what I just, this is embarrassing. Just today, I downloaded my first Glennon Doyle book. Oh. The reason <laughs> I did that, the reason I did that is I have, I have nothing but judgment that comes from insecurity about ridiculously successful authors who were like mm-hmm. not writers. So I have judged mm-hmm. her for years and been like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't read books like that. Most of my clients come to me and say, I want to be like Glennon Doyle. And last mm-hmm. night I was at my friend's house and she said, no, you would actually really like her. And I decided that for my client's sake, I will listen to this book. But is it a mistake? I haven't started. Which one are you listening to? The recent one. Oh, Untamed? Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm reserving judgment, even though you can see my face right now. My face never lies. Yeah. <laughs> Did I you, did love. I did like Love Warrior. I think that's what it was. I did find that it was a good listen. I like listening to it, but I'm like that's just not my deal. I'm not like self help. I'm not like women empowerment in terms of like what I listen to in real life. I am obviously, but I listen to a lot of like historical fiction and social justice, racial justice stuff. I'm listening to YA right now. Hmm. I didn't know how sexually explicit those books can get. Hi, didn't you grow up reading Judy Bloom? Yeah, but that was, I'm actually taking a Judy Boone course right now. 
with her? <laughs> Which, Judy, no, no, not with her, like in that master class or whatever. And then she speaks for the Society oh, yeah. of Book Writers and Illustrators. And, you know, I want to, I want to say this though, so the people listening, it's another part of, you know, being a good writer, but then also just getting inspired to write new material. Like I just started the children's book thing a couple of years ago and I'm loving it so much. I feel like I'm home. It, I'm constantly learning like education every day, every day I'm listening to something, watching something. And Judy Bloom is, oh my gosh, she's a 85 million books, she's 85 amazing. million books. She's amazing. Well, and I think that's a really good point. This, you know, I didn't go to graduate school and I treat my business as graduate school. I treat I marketing. I like senior year of high school. Okay. So you had four <laughs> years to educate yourself. Look at that. Um, but my, my parents were desperate for me to go to graduate school. And I, I you know, I be personally believe that I know a lot of MFAs who are very much out of work. And mm -hmm. I know college graduates who are out of work. And yeah, my um, daughter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> your daughter's... So your kids range, I don't want to get off track, but your kids range in age from what to what? 22 to five. Look at that. Yeah. Look at that. Womb. Busy, yeah. busy womb. I don't, um, I don't learn. <laughs> you know what? I don't learn. I don't learn my lesson. <laughs> Except with writing. That's where you learn. Yes. Um, and, and so I want to talk about all the things that you offer. Well, first of all, mm -hmm. you don't illustrate your own children's books. I do not. No. Okay. But you do have offerings that are illustrations. Did you do those? Do I have offerings that are illustrations? Oh, like my bliss notes? Yeah. And, and yeah the coloring do things. You draw yeah. them? Yes. Uh -huh. I do everything. <laughs> I do everything. I do website design, graphic design, design my own PDFs. I do everything. And that's not because it's a smart thing to do. It's because when I started this business, I was a single mother of three on food stamps. Right. And it was learn. And I've actually been developing websites since 1998 when my first daughter was born. And I had a blog on, which wasn't called a blog then. It was like an online journal on girl pages that was, that was sponsored by Sassy Magazine. So I was a teen mom. So I had, I had this online blog. And uh, yeah, yeah. So I've been doing it forever. Um, but I learned to do everything myself because I, I had to, so out of necessity. So a lot of my creative process and the things that I offer are either talents and interests of mine that I've monetized, but for the series, like I'm not illustrating my own children's book. That would just be, That'd maybe be next year. That would be more insane than you actually are. Just check in with me. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? So, and so. I thought you were going to say the reason you do it all yourself is that it's like you like having control over that it. That too. Yeah. That too. Mm -hmm. And so since you've both self-published and, and done traditional publishing, do you want to talk about the different experiences you had with each? Well, I'll t okay. So I love being published. I love my publisher. I love not having to deal with printing and, and you know, all the logistics of it. And through self-publishing, I also love d dealing with the printing and all the logistics of it. But the reason that I self-publish, well, first of all, I love to learn. I love learning that part of the business. I actually really love being behind the scenes, even though people see me speaking live and like always out there performing. I love the behind the scenes stuff. And with the books that I was creating, um, my series uh, is called the Big Messy Book Series. It's uh, Zara's Big Messy Day, Zara's Big Messy Bedtime, and the next one, Zara's Big Messy Playdate. It was 
really important to me to present this little girl that's very autobiographical. She's seven years old. She's biracial. She has anxiety. She deals with big, messy emotions. I needed the characters. I needed the black characters to look black. I needed the story to be presented in a way um, that wouldn't be censored by a mainstream publisher. Um, there's, even though children's publishing is very progressive, maybe the most progressive part of the industry, there's still so far to go. And so I knew that I wanted to create something very true to the kids that would be reading it, really represent the different cultures. Ooh, it's a thunderstorm happening over here. <laughs> it's like crazy over here on the East Coast. But um, so I wanted to go the self-publishing route. I didn't want to wait. Mm-hmm. And I've loved that experience. And I'm actually having, I don't believe in jinxing it. I'm a master manifester. I'm having a meeting right after we get off this call, immediately after this call, about possibly being acquired, partnering. Oh, the whole series. The, the whole publishing house. My Wheat Penny oh. Press Publishing. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there's, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been an interesting journey, but, um, I do like having control. I do like having control about the things that are important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and, yeah. and so, yeah, and so let's talk about what you teach. Uh, I, I mm-hmm. saw something that I know I could refer a ton of people to that you basically have a three tier offering to get people started with their books. So let's talk yes. about what that is. So I had, I used to have a life coaching um, group coaching program called Blocked to Blist, and now I have Blocked to Book. So it's really for, we get into how to write a book, how to create an outline, how to pitch, how to find an agent, or how to self-publish, but the meat of it really is about pulling the story out of you, telling it in a way that's not only, um, that feels true and right to you and easy for you to talk about, but also marketable to other people, right? And something that you can build a platform upon. So it's, it's the whole thing. It's platform. It's getting the story out. It's getting it down on paper. It's really fun in a group atmosphere. I attract mostly people who are interested in either children's book or self-help what I do. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, it's a beautiful soulful experience because I do integrate a lot of my, my experience as a spiritual wellness teacher, as a meditation teacher, as someone who practices mindfulness every single day of her life and personal development. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Block to Book is awesome. There's a group element and then there's two tiers of one-on-one coaching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Almost full. I don't know when this is coming out, <laughs> but catch me next time. But if, is there a direct link if people want to, or should they just go to your website? They can go to my website and it's right up at the top, Blocked to Book, or you can just go blockedtobook.com. And her website is bexlife.com, B-E-X, because that's what she goes by, which yeah. I didn't know. The whole time on the bus, I would think you were, you were Re- Rebecca. I, I am Rebecca. <laughs> um, what's, what's also great, I think, is that trip, we didn't know what anybody really did for a living. So yeah. I remember it was day six or something. We're sitting on the bus and you start telling me you're an author too. And I'm like, yeah. you are? Yeah. Thank God we didn't know. Cause I'll tell you, I actually had a very tearful moment. It was like the third or fourth day when I got the book with all of our, um, bios in it. I guess we had it, but I hadn't looked at it. And I'm just seeing all these super impressive, illustrious resumes. And I'm like, why am I here? So I, and I, and I broke down a little bit. I was still, de- still dealing. I mean, still like I am today dealing with some imposter syndrome that I have to work through. So that was, that was rough. 
I remember you telling me about it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You are so, you are, you so belong here. And you know, you know, you know the deal. I, I have plenty of issues. I do not have imposter syndrome. Really? Mm-mm. Can you coach me? <laughs> that happened. But I think it comes from I've worked so hard to get where I am. Yeah. I I would say I've gotten little breaks along the way, but but mm-hmm. nobody could accuse me of like of like getting there in an easy way. And I know yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I think what happened with me is that I came into this work and like, and I always say this too, I compare it to motherhood. I'm so glad that I had children before social media existed because I didn't have that comparison. I could kind of like just mess up and try new things. And there was just no, there was nothing to compare it to at all, except my other teen mom girlfriends who were having kids and, you know, hanging out with me behind Toys R Us smoking cigarettes and stealing desitin diaper ointment. Like that's what we did. Like we didn't know. So now it's, now, you know, even having my fourth kid in, on social media, I felt like inadequate. I had, I've been raising successfully these three beautiful children and I felt inadequate and like I was doing the wrong thing and I, and I didn't know anything about motherhood. But, um, you know, with career, I came in with all the audacity of like a fresh, young, excited person eager to like share her story with the world and change the world. And then I started walking into a lot of rooms where nobody looked like me. Nobody talked like me. Nobody definitely didn't have the education background that I did. Didn't have a bunch of kids. And like, you know, I had three kids by the time I was 28. Or I'm sorry, 25. But when I entered this business, I was 28. Um, so I didn't, it wasn't that, I felt like I belonged at first. But then I realized what was successful or what was being propped up and centered. And I think this happens for a lot of people of color in this industry, especially black women in this industry. It's, um, it just doesn't feel like it's for you. So then you feel like you can't provide something that has changed. I've been affirmed of the opposite over the years, but I still, I still get that little pang of like, am I supposed to be here? I mean, I went into a Hay House writers workshop, a mastermind, um, a couple of years ago and it really spawned this big rift between me and my publisher and a whole series of things, but it's all good now because they have a whole, a whole program that I'm mentoring in for, it's called Diverse Wisdom. And it's really exciting bringing in black and brown authors. But I walked into a room with 75 people and I was the brownest person in the room. And people can't see me. I'm what you would call sometimes white presenting. I'm very, very light. I don't, I'm not obviously black. I'm ambiguous, you know, in my, in my ethnicity. So that's a problem. If I'm the brownest person in the room, it's like, what is happening here? Is it a room of albinos? Um, practically. Yeah. (laughs) It was like Gabby Bernstein and everyone who looks like Gabby Bernstein. (laughs) Right. Right. So this has been a delight and a half. What, uh, (laughs) what, is there anything else you want to tell aspiring authors or current authors about launching their books and what a book can do for your career? Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I'll tell you this. This will wrap it up. I had five children. I passed five people through my vaginal canal. Like that's legit. (laughs) And people were not hiring me or asking me to speak on motherhood until I had a book about it. I call it's my book is called managing the motherhood. It was my second book with Hay House. And all of a sudden after 21 years (laughs) and five children, I was suddenly an expert and it, and it created a whole new layer to an already really successful career that I, that I could not have anticipated and has, um, 
also increased my credibility in all areas because the opportunities that I got from that put me on bigger stages. And yeah, so a book really makes whatever you're doing legit, legit. What a note to end on. Uh, Becca, thank you so, so, so much. You guys, thank you. What, what's that? I said I said vagina, sorry. Oh, I wish you'd said it a few more times. I was as as you were saying the sentence, I'm like, I hope she says vagina and not birth canal. And if anyone is offended, I'm so so sorry. Um, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Bex. I'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>